know, some 30 years ago, and it's scary when you start off a sentence 30 years ago, I was ordained. I was ordained as a pastor, uh, and when we had that service, we sang Rock of Ages. Uh, it's just one of those songs that's meant so much to me for so many years. And I know I don't usually do this, and I'm going to embarrass a friend of mine, but really when God led me into the ministry, one of the guys that God used in such a powerful way was named Mike Gordon. And Mike, Mike has been a longtime friend of mine. He's been a pastor friend of mine the greatest youth pastor there ever was, a church planner like me. Um, you know, he's, he's uh, uh, been a real blessing, so welcome, Mike. It's great, it's great to have you. He's living out in Salt Lake City now, converting all the Mormons out there, so it's, uh, it's, it's great stuff. Hey, if you have your Bibles, if you'll turn with me uh, to the book of Colossians, it's actually a letter uh, to the church in Colossae that was written by the Apostle Paul. Interesting, he didn't plant that church. He planted many of the churches in the New Testament, nor did he ever even visit that church, but inspired by the Holy Spirit, he wrote him an amazing letter. And we're making our way through that letter. Uh, we're calling the sermon series Gospel Truth. It's the truth of the gospel that sets us free. It's something that this church has embraced. Uh, they've heard the good news of the gospel. They've embraced it as true, and they have had this incredible transformation since. So he's writing to strengthen them. Uh, some knucklehead teachers have come along saying, hey, by the way, good thing you got Jesus, but he's not enough. You need some other things. And Paul's saying, hey, let's talk about what really gospel truth is. So this week, as I was traveling down 1792, uh, kind of in that Castleberry area, uh, I was looked up and I noticed a billboard. Now, listen, I was a marketing major in college I, I love, I'm kind of one of those weird people that is intrigued with ads and advertising and try to figure out how they're communicating and how they're saying it. And this ad was very interesting. It was a, it was a picture of, of a, a woman. Uh, you couldn't see anything other than her midriff uh, from this area right here. I mean, phenomenally in shape. You could tell that right away. Uh, it wasn't really sensual. I don't think they were trying to do anything weird. But it said in big letters uh, that if you look good, you feel good. If you look good, you feel good. And I think some of us could kind of resonate with that. It's interesting. They wanted to say if you look good and we're talking to just your core. I mean, we're not even talking about anything else. All you saw were her abs. Uh, and if you look good, well, you feel good. Well, last week we talked about gospel transformation uh, what the gospel does for us. This is the power of God uh, to not only bring trans, uh, transformation, salvation to sinners like us. Uh, it's an incredible transformation that happens to all of us. And last week, as we looked at this gospel transformation, Paul does this a lot. He says, this is what you once were. So he shows us the before picture. Hey, this is what you once were. And it's kind of ugly. And I, and I said to you last week, I mean, a lot of times it's hard for us to even believe that. Because it says, by nature, we're going to be children of wrath. He says that in Ephesians. But he says, by nature, we're alienated from God. I mean, we come into this world as sinners. We come in alienated from God. It says that we are, by nature, hostile in mind. And the word mind here is just more than the intellect. It's your whole being. That there's a hostility by nature that we have. And it says that we're doing evil deeds. So that's the before picture that God has painted for us. If you're not in Christ, according to the Bible, that's, that's where you are. It's, it's, it's kind of scary. But 
if you are in Christ, now if you are, if you've given your life to Christ, you put your faith in him, he shows us the after picture for now. And it's a beautiful picture. He says that now in Christ Jesus, you are holy, set apart, and you are blameless, and you are above reproach. Now hit pause. You want to say, man, are you kidding me? I mean, I, I know me. I look in the mirror every day. I, I know what comes in my mind. I know what goes out of my mouth. I, I know what I put my eyes in front of. Really, God's going to say that this is who we are, the after picture. But remember, this is in Christ Jesus. This is the one who, who lived the righteous life for us. This is the one on the cross who would die a, a, a death for us, right? This is the one we sang about earlier, that we are robed in his righteousness, right? This is the one whose blood has been shed for us. Don't miss this. This is the blood of God that has been shed for our sins that will wash us whiter than snow, that will separate our sins from east and from the west. So if you are in Christ Jesus, God will see you in that reality, holy, set apart, blameless, above reproach. Man, talk about looking good, right? I mean, that is looking good. In Christ Jesus, we look good to the one who matters most. We look good to God in Christ Jesus. And you know what? You should feel good, too. You should feel good, too. If that's the reality, we live with an enemy who wants to always accuse you. Uh, you live with the reality of your own broken life, and you want to live maybe with the shame that, that comes with the brokenness of our sin. Remember, that shame was nailed to the cross. And so he wants you to, to not only look good, but feel good. Why? Because we've been transformed, not by what we do, but by the gospel of Jesus Christ. But there's more than just being transformed. We've been reconciled. That God has reconciled us to the Father. Uh, it's absolutely incredible. And that should feel so good. Hit pause. Church, you know the feeling of being loved in Christ Jesus. You know the beauty of that picture. Enjoy it. Celebrate it. But there's more. If the gospel has transformed you, it's more than just feel good. Reading the gospel according to Scripture, if you look good in Christ, do good. Not just look good, do good. You see, we are transformed in Christ Jesus not just to look good. We're not just to be, as the church, a picture on God's mantle saying, look at how good my people look in Christ Jesus. Aren't they phenomenal? The gospel reconciles us to God in Christ to be reconcilers for God in Christ. Did you hear that? The gospel transforms us to be transformers. The gospel reconciles us in Christ Jesus to be a holy God, to be reconcilers. That's what he wants to use us for. Gospel transformation is not just for show, not just so we look pretty as the church in Christ. It's for go. So the section that we're looking at today, Paul's going to make it personal. He says, I'm a servant. I'm a servant to the gospel. I'm a servant to the church. And I'm doing all this. Why? So that you will be what the church should be. We will flourish. Flourish for God. Um, and he is going to be pouring into us. So here's the things we're going to look at today. Paul is a servant of the gospel and a servant of the church. We're going to see he's rejoicing in suffering for the church. We're going to see he's revealing the mystery to the church. We're going to see him preaching the gospel to the church. And we're going to see him toiling from the church. 
This morning, we're going to pick up just where we left off last week. Our focus is on verses 24 through 29. But to get context of now once we or what we once were and now what we are, we're going to go back to verse 21. Look at verses 21 through 29. If you don't have a Bible, there's one in front of you in the pew, uh, or the words will be on the screen for you. Let's be mindful this is God's holy and errant word. It'll never lead us astray. Uh, we can trust, trust every word of it. Hear the word of the Lord. Paul will write, And you, who were once alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. If indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven, of which I, Paul, am a minister. It's also that word can be translated servant. That's uh, where we get the office of deacon, where I am a, a minister, a servant. In verse 24, our focus now, 24 through 29. Now I rejoice in my suffering for your sake. And in my flesh, I'm filling up what is lacking in Christ's affliction for the sake of his body, that is the church, of which I became a minister or a servant according to the stewardship from God that was given to me for you to make the word of God fully known, the mystery hidden for ages and generations, but now revealed to the saints. To them God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Him, Christ Jesus, we proclaim, warning everybody and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. For this I toil, struggling with all energy that he powerfully works within me. Well, the grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Oh, Father God, we're just so grateful for this gospel transformation, this gospel truth, this good news of what you have done for us, Jesus, through your life, death, and resurrection. Oh, God, we're so grateful that we can obtain that by your grace through faith. And oh, the transformation that comes. The God we see that the after picture in Christ Jesus is glorious and beautiful. And that we should feel good about who we are in Christ Jesus. But God, we're the church. And you don't want us to be the church that just looks good sitting on your mantle. We're the church that you have called out of darkness into your marvelous light into this world. And God, you want us to be reconciled because you've reconciled us, transformers because he transformed us. So Holy Spirit, come, come with power, come and be teacher, come and speak through a broken sinner like me. God, give us ears to hear your voice, minds that would understand your word, hearts that would embrace your truth. Oh God, give us feet that would walk in a manner worthy of your name. The things that I say that are wrong are merely my opinion. Let those things fall away and be forgotten things that are said that are true and contain the good news of the gospel. Oh God, use those things to build your church. Use those things to energize us. 
in Christ. We pray all this in his matchless name. Amen. So it won't surprise you. This week, I made my way to Costco. Greatest store ever. Love that place. It's like a trip on a vacation. I mean, just one day, you go into Costco, you see everything you need. You know, your my, my, my uh, materialism meter is going off the chart, you know. It's amazing the things I think, oh, I need that, I need that, I want that, I want that. Uh, the only thing bad about that place is finding a parking spot. Can you do something about that, Ruth? You used to work there at one time. Let's go. Um, but when I was in Costco, I, I saw this guy uh, scantily dressed. And it, this was a really buff-looking dude. I mean, this is a guy who knew his way around a gym. Uh, this is a guy who's probably lifted a lot of weights in his lifetime. Uh, this is a guy that had muscles on top of muscles. And, you know, a guy when you're my age, you kind of like suck your stomach in, you know, you want to you know, look a little different and go another way. And he was holding in his hand just one roasted chicken. Now, you know, in Costco, you got to get a cart. I mean, they got so much stuff there, right? I mean, but you got one roasted chicken. That's, that's all he had. And he was holding it so tenderly, like it was a lost uh, a treasure of his. And I just thought, man, it was very, very interesting. I'm like, man, the dude looked really, really good. But I wanted to ask the question, man, what do you do with all that muscle? I mean, do you know the Tampa Bay Bucks could really use you? I mean, do you, do you know there could be some amazing things? And I, I just thought about him. If, if you look good, you feel good. And I think that's a mentality oftentimes when we go to the gym. Let me look good. Let me feel good. But Paul is giving us God's word uh, to put on a spiritual muscle. He's giving us God's word not just to look good, but he's giving us spiritual muscle in him. Reminding us that because you do look good in Christ, you are to do good for Christ. Let me say it again. You're beautiful in Christ Jesus, but you're called to live for Christ Jesus, to make a difference. So we see Paul. Paul is now the servant of the gospel and the servant of the church. And he says two overarching things in this text. One thing I want to do is to make the word of God fully known. Okay, church? This is God's word. He gave it to us. It's amazing how he's given it to us through the years, primarily originally in Hebrew and then in Greek in the New Testament. The Holy Spirit inspired the writers. And, he, and Paul's like saying, hey, you really should know the New Testament or you really should know these certain letters. No, he goes, like, fully know the word of God. This is God's story that unfolds and tells his redemption. And Paul says, I, I'm going to be a servant for you to fully know the word of God this overarching goal for you to know God's word. So church, we should be people digging in. We should be people that are reading it. We should be people of the book. But he also said this over second overarching thing, to make the people of God fully mature. Now, oftentimes when we hear fully mature, we think head knowledge. I should know more about the Bible. I should be able to find that verse. I should know something about theology. I got to go to Charlie's class and learn more about distinctives and, and what uh, theology I need to embrace. It's more than just head knowledge. When he's saying fully mature, this is one, this is somebody who walks in a manner worthy of the gospel, right? I mean, this is somebody who, who knows God's word but applies God's word. This is somebody who, who's the Rome of Christ. This is somebody who spent time with Jesus. This is somebody that, that uh, knows that God is calling him to live a life that's pleasing to him, who lives out their faith. So here's the overarching goal for the church, to fully know God's word and to be fully mature as God's people. Look good in Christ Jesus to do good in Christ Jesus. 
and to make the church of God fully functional. That's the third thing, to make the church of God fully functional. Now, I'm going to talk about the church for the next couple minutes, and I really going to ask you, would you lean into this and tell me if you think this is right or wrong? I believe our culture, even our Christian culture, has the wrong view of the church. And, I, and I've said this at times, but I think that many people think of the church, and if you could think of the church as a ship, if you could think of the church as, as an ocean liner or a ship, most people will think of the church as a cruise line. Most people will think of the church that we should be a cruise ship, that the church is here, the pastors are here, the elders are here, the deacons, to make things comfortable for you, the passengers, to, to make your experience on the board of the ship as comfortable uh, and as enjoyable as the church could be, uh, that we should be making a place that we look good to feel good. But the church isn't supposed to be a cruise ship. Never was supposed to be. How do we get there? I think the, uh, the image we should have is a battleship. Uh, we are the church, right? We're, we're the ones who engage culture. I, I kind of picture an aircraft carrier. Uh, 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 something large enough that has community on board, but is launching missions all the time. It's always going out on, on mission. That's really who we should be. The church should be preparing the passengers, the people for ministry. I mean, really, that's, if you read Ephesians chapter 4, the leaders of the church are here to equip you, the church, to do the ministry. It's, 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 we're here to help you be the church, for you to flourish and function, not just look good on the shelf, but to engage the world. Remember, according to Scripture, we've been transformed in Christ, but now we are given the ministry of transforming. We're reconciled in Christ. Now we're to be reconciled. Whether you're a teacher, whether you're at home raising your family, whether you're retired, whether you're a doctor, you're a nurse, wherever you are, you are beautiful in Christ Jesus. But let me tell you, he wants to use you to reconcile the world to himself. Let me read you a parallel passage out of 2 Corinthians 5, one of my favorites. So listen to what God's word says about us who we are in Christ Jesus. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 starts off this way. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. It's saying this. If you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, it's amazing. You're like new. God has taken that, that old sinful nature and nailed it to the cross. He's, he's robed you in his righteousness in Christ Jesus. You're like a new creature, creation. All this is from God, who through Christ, watch this, reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, church, we are ambassadors representing him. What does an ambassador do? He has the full authority of the one he represents. We are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. And I love the gospel here. For our sake, he made him, Jesus, to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. I mentioned to you earlier, I had a marketing degree from the Harvard of the South, Florida Southern. Um, and, you know, I, I love marketing. 
And, and really, in 2 Corinthians 5, you hear the unfolding of God's marketing plan. He says this, I'm calling you out of darkness into my marvelous light. I'm going to make you new. I'm going to give you a ministry. As I'm reconciling the world to myself in Christ, you now have that ministry of reconciliation. Join God in what he's doing. Church, that's our call. Our call is to be salt in a world that desperately needs to have salt, light in a world that's so dark. We're to be reconcilers where God has placed you. Be you in love with Jesus. Be you as a salt and light of the world. We are God's A-plan. We are his ship. We're his A-plan. Now listen, he says, through the church, he wants to make known, this is Ephesians 3.10, the manifold wisdom of God. Through us, we're his A-plan. To, 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 to rescue the world in Christ Jesus, he wants to send us out. Unbelievable. Uh, we are, the ship that we are on should be called ambassador. The ship that we are on should be called reconciler. That is who we are. And Paul now was a servant of the church to make the church fully functional. So he says, with that, okay, listen, I'm going to be rejoicing and suffering for the church. Who rejoices in suffering? When you rejoice in suffering, we send them to a mental hospital. Usually when you rejoice in suffering, there's got to be something bigger that is going on. Why would Paul say, I rejoice in suffering? i got to tell you, the ministry is a calling. Paul's calling was different than mine. He was an apostle en masse. He spoke with an authority that no other pastor would have as an apostle of Jesus Christ. But I, too, am a servant of the church. And I, too, am a servant of the gospel. And I got to tell you, it comes with suffering. It comes with suffering because you wind up burying children. You wind up holding hands of widows. Uh, you wind up weeping with those whose marriages have crumbled. You wind up weeping with people whose lives got so turned upside down because of sin. Uh, you wind up... Uh, coming alongside people and urging them of the beauty and the glory of Jesus and seeing them see the beauty and the glory of the world. And, you know, and you labor and you toil and, and, and you oftentimes suffer. It's, it's a calling, but it's a great calling. I tell you what, I, I never want to change. But I get what Paul is saying. He says, I'm suffering. I suffer for the church. And this is fulfilling his calling. You remember how Paul, anybody remember how Paul got called in the ministry? that Damascus Road. You remember the Damascus Road experience? Remember that, that Jesus met him and said, Paul, Paul, or Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me when you're persecuting the church? Remember that Jesus himself is going to give him a ministry, and here's what he's going to say to him. For I will show him, Jesus says, I will show Paul how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. Paul, I'm going to give you, you're going to help change the world. Paul, you're going to go to some amazingly dark places. You're going to be shipwrecked. You're going to be beaten. You're going to be left for dead. They're going to stone you, Paul. And I'm going to tell you, for my name's sake, you're going to suffer. So now he's rejoicing. Why? He's fulfilling his calling. Jesus told me about this. I'm doing it. This is amazing. But more than that, he's sharing in the sufferings of Christ. Paul will write in Philippians 3.10. He says, listen, everything about the world in verse 7 is like rubbish compared to knowing Jesus. He says, I want to know him. I want to know Jesus. I want to know the power of the resurrection and share in his sufferings, becoming like him in death. Let me ask you a question. For those of you who say, Jesus is my Lord, have you ever suffered for him? Has there ever been any suffering in your life because you're a follower of Christ? I mean, we've probably got to look at that. If there's no suffering ever 
if there's no one's making fun of you, if there's, there's not like a promotion you didn't get because of your the way you live your life, or there's something, a neighbor who doesn't get you, if there's zero suffering in your life for Christ, you want to wonder, what's your witness like for Christ? Because our, our, our culture is against uh, our, our Savior. So how have we, and we got to be ready for it. He says, listen, I want to share in the sufferings. There's a fellowship that comes when I suffer for him. I'm fulfilling my call. And then lastly, he says something really awkward that, that a lot of commentators and theologians are blown away by. He says, I want to fill up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions. You want to say, whoa, what does that mean? Wasn't Jesus' righteous life enough? Yes, it was. Wasn't Jesus' atoning sacrifice enough? Yes, it was. Didn't Jesus say it is finished and it's really finished? Yes, it was, and it is. And when he cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He experienced the hell of God's wrath on the cross. It was enough. We never, Paul or anybody else, can ever fill in what was missing in the atonement of Christ Jesus. It is 100% satisfactory. In Christ Jesus, through one sacrifice, he's forever perfected those he's making holy. We can't add a thing to his atoning sacrifice. But what he's saying is, I'm filling up Christ's afflictions now. Now we're the church. He's at the right hand of the Father. And what does he say to the church? Listen, they persecuted me, they're going to persecute you. They hated me, they're going to hate you. It's our turn, church. It's our turn as ambassadors of Christ to stand and take the lumps of the world. And here's how we do it. We speak truth. We do it in love. This is how we do it. We say, we're, 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 we, we understand, this is the authority in our lives. I mean, this is, this is how we suffer, in a sense, in a world that's going to mock us. You guys believe this? I mean, you, you embrace that? I mean, you think he, Jesus is the only way, truth, and the life? I mean, you really think this is holy and errant? This is never going to lead you astray? I mean, seriously? Um, that's who we need to be. Uh, and standing in the gap right now, suffering, is our time. All right, so he's not only suffering, he's also revealing the mystery to the church. And the mystery is Christ. I mean, the, the Jewish people didn't get it because they didn't see a Savior that will suffer and die. They thought somebody's going to come and take out Rome, right? I mean, it's amazing, a mystery. This guy, this Nazarene, this guy that was born in a manger, this, this, this is the one who's God's promised Messiah? This one who doesn't even have a home? Uh, this one who talks in parables? This is the one? And yeah, the mystery of all of God's promises found in Christ Jesus. That all the shadows, that he is the suffering servant. All the shadows of the Old Testament, all those sacrifices pointed to him. That mystery, all fulfilled in him. But there's more than that. The mystery of Christ in you. Usually, scripture describes, especially Paul, we are in Christ. This is Christ in you. Are you a follower of Christ Jesus? The Spirit of the living God is in you. Christ in you is a treasure in a dark place. Absolutely amazing. The mystery. Hit pause on it. God loves you enough to fill you with his spirit, guaranteeing that he'll never stop loving you, guaranteeing there's a future to come. This is who we have in Christ Jesus. The mystery, Christ in you. But there was more than that. It was the mystery that Christ in the Gentiles. Remember the Jewish people, they thought, well, we got the law, we got the covenant, we're the chosen people. These Gentiles are terrible. They're bad. And all of a sudden, Paul is going to come along and say, no, no, no. The gospel's for them, too. The whole world's coming to know Jesus Christ. It's not just for one chosen race. It's for every tribe, tongue, nation, and people. And thank God for that reality. 
You know, the gospel has knocked down the wall between sinner and a holy God, but it also knocked down the wall that divides Jew, Gentile, male, female, slave, free. That's the truth of the gospel. That's why we can't be bigots. That's why, that's why we can't build our own tribe and say the other tribes don't matter. That's why we can't be lofty and arrogant. The gospel has knocked down what divides us, separates us from Christ, and which divides us from one another. That's why Jesus would say, I'm praying for you to be one. I'm praying for you to be unified. I, I tell you, if we're only just one party, if we're only just one race, if we're only just one, we missed it. Get to the end of the story. It's every tribe, tongue, nation, and people. And the mystery of the gospel is that it's knocked down the dividing wall. And then there's the hope of glory. Remember, the best life isn't now. Now we get forgiven, we get loved, and we get filled. But the hope to come. Church, it's what's to come. When we see Jesus face to face, when we sit down at the wedding feast of the Lamb. Oh, man. And when we no more, no more the presence of sin is no more around us. The hope of glory. Watch this. How did it go for Jesus? Suffer before glory. How does it go for us? Suffer before glory. Glory is coming. There's going to be some great times today. But there's going to be some suffering. You guys know it. I look at your faces. We've wept together. We, we know the pain. The pain of what's broken in here and around us. But there's a hope of glory. One day, no more. So not only that, it's preaching the gospel to the church. I, I love this fact. He says, I'm proclaiming him to everyone. Who's he proclaiming? He's proclaiming Christ. Paul, man, he was smart as could be. But here's what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 2.2. 2, 2. I want to know nothing but Christ and Christ crucified. I got one message, and it's Jesus. Are you guys on to me yet? Do you know I got one message? I got one message, and it's Jesus Christ and him crucified. I got one, and I, I want to preach that to you from Genesis to Revelation. I want to go through everything we could go through and say, basically, may we know nothing but Christ and him crucified. This isn't a simple, just gospel message of thin. This is a deep gospel truth that Jesus is the hope of all of Scripture. Everything that was promised in Scripture finds its yes in him. And Paul will say, I'm just going to magnify and lift up him, preach nothing but Christ and Christ crucified. Warning everybody basically to repent. Paul didn't always make it comfortable. He warned believers uh, that if they weren't following Jesus, they needed to stop it. And he warned non-believers that the wrath of God remains upon them. I'm a people pleaser. I just want you to be happy. I just want you to like me. I mean, that's a sad sin in my life. But the reality is, as a preacher of the gospel, you got to warn people. God is holy. God is just. Apart from Christ, his wrath remains upon you. He cares about we how we live. He's called us out of darkness into his marvelous light that we could live a life that's pleasing to him and the world could see the reality of him in, in us. True preaching is going to be lifting up Christ. It's going to be warning of sin, to calling to repent, and teaching everyone with all wisdom to believe. Believe in what? Believe in Jesus. He's the way, the truth, and the life. All of God's promises, they find their fulfillment in him. Preach Jesus. Not moralism. Not trying to earn your own way. Preach Jesus. What you're looking for is in Him. What you long for is in Him. What you need more of is Him. He's God's Son. 
He is the fulfillment of God's promise. He's the way home. Jesus. May we preach Him and Him alone. Walk by faith. And then presenting everyone mature in Christ. God, the goal of making everyone mature in Christ, that's the goal. That's why we do our KCMEAM. That's why we do our creeds and coffee. Uh, That's why we do our our KC group, is that we will all grow together. I like that word everyone. It just keeps on thundering on that. So I could teach everyone, admonish everyone, so everyone could be fully mature in Christ. All of you, not just the leaders, not just those of you who are more spirit, all of you, let's grow together in Christ Jesus. And he's toiling for the church, toiling, struggling. By the way, when Paul wrote this, he's in prison. (laughs) He's writing from prison because he's living for Jesus. He's got joy doing it. You know, but he's, he's being persecuted to the point he's going to lose his life eventually. He knew what it was like to struggle for the church. But he knew that the mission for God was more important. And he knew that it was a lot more important than just looking good. But to be the church. Flourishing. To do that which is God has done. And he'll, he'll, he'll conclude by saying this. I'm empowered by God. I think of the Blues Brothers. It's a really old movie and I just dated myself. We're on a mission from God. We're on a mission from God, church. We are. We're on a mission from God, and we're empowered by God. We're the church. We're his bride. We're his A-plant. We are the one he has chosen to reconcile the world to himself through. It's us. And we're only going to be empowered by his spirit. Ministry that's not empowered by God is vanity. It always is. Paul will say, in my weakness, then I am strong. May we be a church empowered by God's spirit the glory of our great God. If you look good, church, you should feel good. And you look marvelous in Christ Jesus. But if you're in Christ, you're to do good. Fully know the word of God, fully mature people of God. Let's go, King's Chapel. Let's don't build a cruise ship. Let's build something here that God has for the glory of our great God. He's transformed us to be transformers. He's reconciled us to be reconcilers and now wants to make a difference through us. Hey, one of the small things we do, we gave you this little, this is, listen, this is just a tool, but we want you to say, who can we be praying for? Who do we go to the battle for? Who can we be lifting up that you know and love that we can say, let's pray for them. Let's pray for them to come to know the reality of who Christ really is. We should do that. Fill in this card, throw it in the basket. Uh, Charlie's going to gather them. We're going to have some people praying over them. Would love to have you. Church, be the church. Be the church. Bring some supplies to one of our ministry partners. Be praying for us. Uh, Know that tomorrow, remember, God's called you to himself to be a reconciler. Be you in love with Jesus. Be the aroma of Christ. Don't let the enemy tell you you're not smart enough. Don't let the enemy tell you you're not good enough. You're not. It's okay. You're not going to mess it up. The worst thing you could do is say something. Father God, it's so beautiful the picture you have for us of who we are in Christ Jesus. And God, I confess that I often get stuck. It's just, man, we look good in Christ. I just want to feel good. What's this suffering stuff all about? But the reality is, God, that you have reconciled us to yourself to be reconcilers. Oh, Holy Spirit, come and do that which only you could do. God, may we be the people of God who fully are know, know the word of God, 
May we be a people of God that are fully mature people in God, in Christ Jesus. May God, may we not try to build a cruise ship that just takes care of one another's needs and comforts, but can we be missional? Can we be a place that you use for people to fall in love with Jesus? Would you do that for the glory of our great God and for the good of our neighbor, we pray. Amen.